Today I want to get right into the word with the time that we have left and I need you to know, especially if you're a guest here today and maybe you're not, uh, uh, not here as often, you need to know that this message I'm going to preach today, it comes with a premise and the premise is this, I believe that God is actively engaged in the lives of his people today. Now I know a lot of us, maybe you know that, you assume that, but I need to make sure you understand that. That as I'm sharing this message with you, I believe God is actively engaged in the lives of his people today. The same God who, who walked in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, that God, still walking with his people today. The same God that showed up in a burning bush for Moses. Same God who's showing up in the lives of his people today. Same God who filled the temple in Solomon's day with the cloud of his presence that God wants to fill this place today. The same God, should I just go through the whole Bible? Should somebody get with me this morning. The same God who, who wrote with his finger on the wall in Belshazzar's palace, that God has a word he wants to write on our hearts today. I need you to understand that because otherwise we might read this text, we might get into the Christmas story and, and you think it nothing less than a biblical historical lesson. But I want to tell you the God who moved then is moving today. I believe the God who was is. The, the one who did does. And God wants to move in the lives of his people. He's moving today. See, this whole reason that we can say Christmas is in motion is because Christ is in motion. And he laid out his agenda in Luke chapter 19, 10. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's what he's moving to do. That's why he came. And he's still moving in that direction today. We've said in this series that Jesus is no doubt the who of Christmas. He's what it's all about. He's the reason for the season, as you would say. But in this series, what I'm wanting you to understand is that while Jesus is the who of Christmas, the Holy Spirit is the how. The Holy Spirit is the one that makes it all possible. And, and I want you to know today, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit of God. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the Spirit of Jesus. And I, I want to clarify that because some people that you talk about God and, oh yeah, I love God. God, creator of heaven and earth, love God. You talk about Jesus and yes, yeah, savior of the world, died on the cross, rose from the dead, love Jesus. And then you say, well, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And then some people get nervous. Like, ooh, I don't, I don't know about the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've seen some weird things said about the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you grew up in a church like me and we said the Holy Ghost. And you come into church and you're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be singing a song to a ghost. Like, I, This kind of makes me nervous. But can I just tell you today that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the Spirit of God. God said in Joel 2, 28, he said, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit. It's his Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus in operation. We sang it earlier. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one, talking about the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit has a critical role in the Christmas story and in the lives of God's people. I want you to see the motion of the Spirit in the story, and I want you to see His desire to move in your life as well. Let's just start by looking at two of the main characters, Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus. 
In Luke chapter 1, we see Mary has this incredible moment with the angel Gabriel. He tells her, you're going you're to have a child. You'll call his name Jesus. And pick it up with me in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. How will this be? I just wonder today, is there any situation in your life that, that you're believing God to move in, but, but it won't happen if God doesn't move? I'm not talking about the safe prayers we play, that we, that we pray. You know, we just say, like, you know, God, God bless the food. It's like, well, you know, it, it, it's pizza, so I don't know that he's going to bless it anyway. But that's a pretty safe prayer, you know. God, give me a good night's rest. You know, those are important prayers, but those are pretty safe prayers. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I'm wondering if you have a prayer, if you have a circumstance in your life that you're believing God to do something and you know full well if God doesn't show up, if the Spirit of God doesn't move, it's not going to be accomplished in the natural. It's not going to happen otherwise. That's this situation. In the natural, Mary is saying, this isn't possible. I don't think she was being cynical. I don't think she was being faithless. I think she was being a realist. She's saying, I know me. I know my story. I know who I've been with. I know who I haven't been with. She says emphatically, I am a virgin. So how's, really, how's this happening? And the Spirit responds and says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And here's the sense that I have on this being used by God. Because you know your story. You know who you've been with. You know what you've done. You know what you've gone through. And you've disqualified yourself. And maybe like Mary, you're saying, how can this be? Now understand, Mary was not disqualifying herself because she lacked integrity or purity. In fact, the Bible says the angel told her, you are highly favored. She had the favor and the blessing of God on her life. So it wasn't anything she had done wrong that disqualified her. But you have to understand that even for somebody as, as righteous and holy as, and pure as Mary, God still didn't choose her because of all of her abilities. He used her in spite of her limitations. In the natural, she said, how can this be? How can, how can this happen? It, it can't happen. If, if it's up to me, it can't happen. And, and I want you to know today, somebody needs to hear this. God is not looking for the most able people. He's looking for willing people. Because even, even Mary needed a Savior. And, and we know that because after she received the promise and said, may, may your will be performed in my life, she began to, to sing a song prophetically. We call it the Magnificent. And Mary began to say in, in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My Savior. In other words, Mary knew she needed a Savior. Mary knew that she was inadequate on her own. But God wanted to use her. Look with me quickly at the life of Joseph. Mary's story is in Luke 1. Joseph's is in Matthew 1. And Matthew makes sure, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, when he's writing his gospel, he makes sure that we understand as the readers 
how this happened. Now, Joseph didn't ask the question explicitly. He didn't say, how is this going to happen like Mary did? But when the angel appeared to him in a dream, this is what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So how, how is this possible? Matthew says, this is how, through the Holy Spirit. On your own, not possible, but this is how, through the Holy Spirit. Now, let's read a little farther, because I want you to see the, the encounter that Joseph has here with the angel. It says in verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, understand, Joseph, he hasn't had an encounter with the Spirit of God. He hasn't had a dream yet. He's looking at it in the natural. He just found out his fiance is with child. And so it says he intended to divorce her quietly. Look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I can't help but think today that a lot of us, our, our lives could be illustrated by this moment. Our lives could be illustrated by this moment. What do we know about Joseph? We know he was a godly man. Verse 18 says he was faithful to the law. We also know he was a good man. He he didn't want to expose Mary to public disgrace. So he was going to deal with it discreetly. He was going to divorce her quietly. So he's a godly man and he's a good man. But when he looked at the situation he was in, he still felt like quitting. Ever been there? I mean, I want to honor God. I want to do. I want to walk in integrity. But when I look at the situation I'm in, I don't see a way out. In fact, this wasn't like an irrational response. This wasn't Joseph, you know, lashing out in anger. It says in verse 20, he considered it. So he thought about it, and not not only did he think about it, he actually he did a really smart thing. He decided before I retaliate, before I act on what I'm feeling, I'm going to sleep on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go, to, I'll deal with this tomorrow. And so he, he considered it, and then he went to bed. But it was while he slept that the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, make room for the Holy Spirit factor in the story. And somebody needs to, to do that today. You, you, you've thought about it. You're, you're trying to do the thing that would honor God. You're trying to do the thing that would honor people. But in the natural, you're like Joseph. He's ready to call off the engagement. He's ready to just throw in the towel. He's really ready to embrace the, the burden of betrayal and carry the scars of a broken relationship. He, he's just, he's, I don't know what else to do. I guess this is my lot in life until God speaks. And all of a sudden, he says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
Can you imagine the relief Joseph felt when he opened his eyes? All of a sudden, what looked like an impossible situation actually became the setup for a miracle. Important than actually hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you've ever been in a situation where you thought you were out of options and then all of a sudden God came through, you might be saying amen right now. I can't think of anything more important than than knowing that God can and will speak to me in in the middle of whatever I'm facing, in the middle of whatever I'm dealing with, that God would show up. Now listen, it's, it's important and it's right that you and I honor God when he shows up in the good times. We ought to be quick to give praise to God. But how much more critical is it that we discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in the difficult seasons? In the moments where it doesn't look good. In the moments where it doesn't look like things are going to work out. Those are the times, church, that we need to have a perception to the Spirit of God. That we need to hear the Holy Spirit factor in the equation. We need to be reminded of promises like the one in Romans 8.28. I love this verse. It says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Can I tell you today, God doesn't cause all things, but God does work in all things. That's what this verse tells us. And sometimes we, we need that moment when we're, when we're kind of up against the wall and we don't know where to turn. We need the voice of the Holy Spirit to remind us, I'm working. I'm working, I'm I'm in this, I'm doing something. That's why it's so critical that we recognize the, the, the activity of the Holy Spirit, not only in the Christmas story, but in ours, because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. But can I tell you, He doesn't want to just speak to you, He also wants to speak through you. And, and as you look at the Christmas story, even just a quick overview of the story, you can't help but notice that time and time again, the Holy Spirit not only leads and guides and speaks to people, the Holy Spirit actually speaks through people. I think about Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who all of a sudden is greeted by Mary who comes to visit her in Luke chapter 1. And in verse 41, it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. We touched on this three weeks ago, but as you read the rest of that chapter, what you find is that immediately, not only was she filled with the Holy Spirit, but Elizabeth starts operating in the gifts of the Spirit. She begins to speak a word of wisdom. She begins to speak... a a word of prophecy to Mary in that moment. I think about Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah. Zachariah received a, a, a visit from Gabriel while he was burning incense at the altar, telling him, your wife, Elizabeth, though she is uh, very old, she's going to have a child. His name will be John. He'll be the forerunner of the Messiah. And, and Zachariah doubted the word. He didn't believe it, and so Gabriel shut his mouth. He said, you're not going to speak until the baby's born. Finally, the day came Elizabeth delivers a baby boy, and they said, is it Zachariah Jr.? And she said, no, his name's going to be John. And they said, no, you can't name him John. You don't have a John in your family. And it says, Zachariah took out a tablet, and he wrote on it, his name is John. In that moment, the Bible says Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 67 of chapter 1, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. 
See, the Holy Spirit doesn't just want to speak to you. He wants to speak through you. Even Mary. I think about Mary. The Holy Spirit didn't just come upon her so that she could conceive of Jesus. The Holy Spirit began to flow through her. And right away, when she said, I am the Lord's servant, let your will be done to me as you have spoken, she begins to prophesy what we call the magnificent. She begins to sing her song to the Lord, speaking of God's redemption for his people. I think about guys like Simeon. Simeon was an old man. We talked about him on Wednesday night in our prayer gathering this past week. And Luke chapter 2 and verse 25 says, the Holy Spirit was on him. Simeon was filled with the Holy Spirit. Look at the next verse with me. Verse 26 of Luke 2 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law had required. So here's Simeon, a man who is filled with the Spirit of God, and then all of a sudden he gets a supernatural revelation from God. The revelation is, Simeon, you're not going to die until you have seen the Messiah with your own eyes. So he's, he's hanging on to that promise. He's believing that word. And then he gets moved by the Spirit of God. One day he's just going about his business and the Spirit of God gives him an unction to just say, Simeon, it's time. Go. Go to the temple. Go now. And he goes into the temple led by the Spirit of God at the very moment that Mary and Joseph are bringing baby Jesus in through the temple. All through this story, we see the Holy Spirit instigating heaven's agenda on earth. And the same God who moved in the Christmas story is moving in your story. He's moving in my story today. And I want you to know today that as much as God did speak then, He is speaking now. One of my favorite verses in, in all the Bible is in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. It says this, it says, each of you, others, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. One of the things I love about this verse is that it doesn't say, for those of you that received a gift from the Holy Spirit, you should use that gift to bless others. No, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. See, if, if you've prayed a prayer and said, Jesus I receive you into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. In that moment, the Spirit of Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, came to live on the inside of you. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, He comes bearing gifts. And so you have a gift, maybe many, but you have a gift. You have an ability that God has given you so that His Spirit can not only speak to you, but also speak through your life. The Apostle Paul wrote about the gifts of the Spirit in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Look at these words with me, beginning in verse 4. He explains, there are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same Spirit that distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. And then he says in verse 7, Now, 
To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, I wish I had time today to just preach about the gifts of the Spirit. There's many gifts. Some people say there's nine gifts. Most scholars say 18 gifts. Some say 21. Others say there's 28 gifts. It just depends on how you define them or if they're synonyms or separate gifts. But the reality of the Scripture is clear. Every believer has a gift. You've been gifted by the Spirit of God. And one of the blessings of the gifts is that it is for the common good of the church. So in other words, when you operate in the gift, we give evidence, we give witness to the fact that you're moving in the gift of the Spirit because it's blessing everybody else. I, I, don't, know, I don't know about you, I've been in some church services where people uh, tried to operate in the gifts, but it didn't bless anybody. It just confused everybody or frustrated everybody. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to know that's not God. Because when you operate in the gifts, it blesses the body of Christ. It's for the common good. It's going to edify. It's going to encourage. It's going to give instruction. It might even be rebuke, but it's going to be a good rebuke. It's going to be a rebuke that blesses you. And every person in the body of Christ, if you're saved, the spirit of Jesus is living on the inside of you. You have a gift to offer back to God in service. And and here's what I love about Christmas. I love that so many people today in all of our services and on Friday in all four of our services and, and not just here but all over the world in the Christmas season, people get a little bit more hungry for the presence of Jesus. If for nothing else, just out of curiosity, people want to get close enough to look over the bow of the manger and behold the newborn king. I, I thank God for that. And I want to say this to you, church. If, if all we're to do is just get close enough to see Jesus and then we die, well, then we don't need the Holy Spirit's gifts. But if seeing Jesus is the beginning of the journey and not the end, then we desperately need to hear the voice of the Spirit of God. We desperately need Him to give us the gifts and the resources and the abilities to move in the power of the Spirit. And I can't think of a better illustration of that reality than in the story of the Magi. It's in Matthew chapter 2. I want to show you just a portion of the story. Many of you, you know the story. They saw the star in the east. They came to worship, show up before Herod. They say, we've seen the star. We've come to worship the newborn king. I want to pick the story up in verse 10 as the worship team comes. It says in verse 10 of Matthew 2, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But this is the verse I want you to catch now. Verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I'm going to tell you why that's important. These men were intellectual. They, they, they were well-educated and they were highly interested. They, they heard the prophecies about the Messiah. They knew he would be born in Bethlehem. So they had a curious pursuit to, to see the newborn king. They knew what the word of God said, and they could study the stars. 
They were well-versed in astrology, and so they followed the star to the place where Jesus was. But that's not what kept them alive. See, your intellect can get you this far. Your intellect can get you to the place where you can, you can behold Jesus, where you can read the scriptures or listen to a sermon and comprehend it, and you can believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But their intellect isn't what saved their life. It was a supernatural word from the Holy Spirit who spoke to them in a dream and said, don't go back the way you came. Herod had already proven in Bethlehem two years and under killed in an attempt to try to find and snuff out the uprising king. And so the Holy Spirit speaks to them supernaturally in a dream. And listen, what I want to say to us today is if, if God, If the end of your journey is finding Jesus good, you don't need the Spirit of God to speak to you. But if finding Jesus is the beginning of the journey, and we're called to build His kingdom in the earth, and we're called to do His will in the earth, and build up the saints in their faith, we need the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because your intellect can take you to Jesus, but the Holy Spirit can keep you from Herod. What I want to say to someone today is that if your intellect, if what you think you know is keeping you from putting faith in Jesus, you know the wrong stuff. You know the wrong things. Listen, you you don't have to check your brain at the door when you come into the house of God. The Word of God can stand up to the scrutiny of, of your questions. But, but understand, when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God said you can eat from any, any fruit in the garden, but don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. It was the tree of knowledge. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in their thirst for knowledge, they lost their intimacy with God. It wasn't that they were stupid. It's that they learned the wrong things. Sometimes our, our, our intellect, what we think we know, what we think we understand, can cause us to miss out on a moment of divine intervention. Mary looked at things in the rational and said, how can this be? Well, it can't unless the Holy Spirit shows up. Joseph tried to make sense of it. He considered it. He slept on it. And he said, I guess we're done here. I guess I'm just going to have to, I'm going to have to start over until the Holy Spirit showed up. And I just wonder today if there's anybody in this place that that needs the Holy Spirit to show up. Like you tried to figure it out, you've tried to think it, you've tried to brainstorm, you've tried to make sense of it. I know for some of us, you've been waiting almost a whole year for things to get back to normal. Like that that was the hope going into 2021, right? Like, whoo, hopefully things will get back to normal. Can I remind you, church? We were never called for normal. Why settle for normal when we have an invitation to the supernatural? When we have an invitation to be led by the Spirit of the Most High God. So I'm going to pray for you right here at the end of this service. And I'm going to pray two prayers. The first one is this. God, speak to us. Speak to us. And I believe He has been. Because one of the gifts of the Spirit is prophetic preaching. That's why I can stand here today with confidence 
not knowing your story, not knowing what's going on in your life, I have absolute confidence that the Holy Spirit uses me to speak directly to you. I'm not that smart, but the Holy Spirit flows through broken vessels. So God, speak to us. That's the first prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand with me all over this room. Bow your heads with me. We're going to go to God in prayer. And if you, if you don't know the Lord today, if you don't have a relationship with God, I quoted it earlier, Luke 19, 10, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. If, if you don't have a relationship with God, there's one thing the Holy Spirit is saying to you that you need to hear. He's saying, come, come, come to Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus. Lay down the baggage at his feet. Give him all your frustrations. Give him all your fears. Give him all your failures. Come to Jesus. That's what he's saying to you. But I believe he's speaking to his children as well. Some of you, you need God to speak to you in this moment. Would you just take a moment with me right now? Let's call on him together. God, would you speak by your Holy Spirit to your church? Lord, for those that have been running from you, those that have been serving lesser gods, serving their career, serving their hobbies, serving their kids, serving their spouse. God, for those that have not made you Lord of their life, God, may they hear you calling today. Lord, for the one that feels abandoned, for the one that feels forsaken, for the one that feels unloved, God, would you speak today? For the one who's in a situation that just doesn't make sense and it feels like the enemy's got the upper hand, God, would you remind them today that in all things, even those things, God works. And you're working for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose. God, just speak a word again. Speak a word of hope this morning. Speak a word of love this morning. Speak a word of joy over our lives today. Lord, speak a word of peace in the middle of our circumstances. In Jesus' name. Now here's the second prayer I want us to pray today. God, speak through us. Speak through us. Listen, God's not looking for perfect options. He's looking for willing people. He's looking for people that would say, God, if you can use something of Balaam's donkey. The only difference between me and that donkey is I have a microphone. But if God can speak through him, he can speak through you. He can speak through me. So if you're willing to let God use you, would you please lift a hand or both hands? None of this happens on the earth without the movement of the Holy Spirit exercising heaven's agenda. And so, Lord, we yield our lives, our talents, our voice, our service, our gifts of administration, of organization, of compassion, of mercy, of generosity. Lord, we yield ourselves to the work of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that in this season, Lord, as we celebrate the giving and receiving of gifts, that the church would remember 
Jesus, you said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give gifts of the Holy Spirit to those he loves? Father, today we receive from your Holy Spirit. Maybe, maybe you don't know what your gift is today. This is a moment right now. You can just begin to ask God, Lord, would you, would you, give, me, would you give me an expression of grace in my life? Lord, that my gift would be a demonstration of your grace meant for the common good of the believers. God, would you fill me with gifts of your spirit in this season? Lord, we receive from you. We receive from you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said amen. Amen.